Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. So this morning, we want to get into the Word of God. Um, there are all types of people that have come uh, to worship here and to know the Lord, but I, I don't want our worship to be without understanding. Uh, I don't want it to be far from rationale. I want it to be uh, rooted and grounded in understanding so that it might be more excellent and so that we not, uh, in, in troubled times, uh, in, in despair of the last days, where the Bible says there will be dangerous times, um, we'll see there that God has an anchor and a source for us to be able to... Uh, perceive and to have as our uh, reference um, to be able to move to a greater expression of his purpose in our lives. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this day you have made. Thank you for uh, the weeks and the months that have already come and gone uh, during 2015, Lord. And we give you thanks for this journey of faith that we have taken to deepen and to make more profound and more understood and more settled because in the last days many will depart from the faith uh, listening to deceiving uh, spirits and doctrine of demons that will cause men to to go far from the house of God and far from their father God and far from the assembly of those that are gathered in your name and we pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And we give you thanks for the spirit of God that ministers the word of God to the people of God in the house of God. We give you thanks to be sitting here and receptive to your word and to your direction in our lives. Now, Father, you say that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. So we pray, Father God, that you bring that order into our life and that our steps might move in the right direction so that we might have the peace and the joy and the righteousness that is available to us in this grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that your kingdom would be established in our hearts and that we might serve you with excellence, O oh God, in all things, uh, making good use and diligent use of our time and our talents and that we might see your glory cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Make us a, a witness to the Gentiles, to those who don't know you, let them see the prosperity of our vineyards and the, 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 our storehouses overflowing with all manner of blessing, Lord, that we might be a source in a time of famine, that we might be fruitful for staying in the land and sowing good seed and reaping a great harvest. We pray that you prosper your word in our hearts and in our lives and that you do exceedingly abundantly above what we pray and ask for this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. One of the greatest travesties that have uh, occurred in the life of man is the absence of order. And you see that everything in our modern days are out of order. Uh, I was talking to a young man in my office before the service, and uh, there was a time upon the earth that men would study the existence of humanity. They would come out with all sorts of um, rules of life 
for how man should live. Uh, this was called the, the vocation of philosophy. Why are we here as humans? And what is our greatest expression as a human upon the earth, the time we have? And the truth of the matter is that this has all been established in the beginning by God. Um, and man has lost it. So that whole time of the philosophical age where men tried to figure out why they were here upon the earth and how life was best to be lived was not a manner that needed to be sought after, but a manner that man had lost. So many of the men and the families and the marriages and the children no longer have an understanding of what life is all about. Uh, you grow up in a house like uh, Warren Buffett, um, the oracle uh, of Oklahoma, the wealthiest man in the United States who gave away $137 billion uh, to Bill Gates because he says, I know how to make money, but I don't know how to use it. Uh, and so as a child, they taught him how to make a lot of money. And so that's all he knows how to do. After he was married for 25 years, his wife says, guess what, honey? Uh, I've known you long enough. I'm going to San Francisco and follow my musical career. And she left him and left her children after she had raised that family. And before she left, she made sure that she got him a girlfriend. And so she went out and picked a girlfriend for her husband. And uh, all three of them lived happily ever after in the chaotic relationship of a threesome. And so when you see men aspire to greatness and to financial prosperity, but the destruction of the family is the legacy, that is not any prosperity by any stretch of the imagination. That's embarrassing, that's shameful. And so after man had lost his purpose for living, people like Paul in Ephesians 1.17 would write letters, and he would write these letters to the church and says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding, he says, that God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, where the glory is going to come from, may give you a spirit of wisdom. The opposite spirit is foolishness. The works of a foolish man are wickedness. Some people say, well, what's so bad about being a fool? A fool produces wickedness. What's wickedness? Things twisted, things out of order. But the God of glory might give you a spirit of wisdom, of revelation, that he might uncover his knowledge. And this is what he's praying. I pray this for our church. That we not be a bunch of knuckleheads. That we not just be babbling idiots and know all the scripture. But that we might have wisdom. Wisdom dictates that you move in the direction of God's order. And revelation is that we might know him and not have somebody... Uh, try to tell us who he is. Uh, that's going on a lot in the world today. There are all sorts of seminars, all sorts of conferences. But the truth of the matter, when you know him and know what he wants you to do, and you're walking in a spirit of wisdom, verse 18, he says, so that the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your inner man, will be enlightened. There'll be light there in your inner man that you might know what is the hope of his calling? What is so good about him having called you? Why are you serving the Lord now? A lot of people only see the church. They only see the spring of life. They only see the pastor. They don't see more than 
just the natural. What are the riches of his glory? What makes a person so wealthy, wealthy to have the glory of God come like an inheritance, come over you because you are living like a righteous son? And, and so we talked about that during the last couple of weeks on Wednesday night. What is an inheritance? What is a reward? What, to, who does an inheritance go to? Let me ask you a question. Does an inheritance go to a faithful son or an unfaithful son? Faithful. To a faithful son. An inheritance does not go to an unfaithful son. He is disqualified. Paul says, after I've preached to so many people, I don't want to be disqualified. I don't want to lose what God has as my reward. And so the Bible says that God uh, rewards those who diligently seek him. Not those who are lazy. They don't find God. Um, So there it is. He wants our eyes to be open. He wants us to have wisdom. He wants us to be revealed. What is the inheritance and the glory to the saints? Verse uh, 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power... What is, what is something that goes over the greatness of God's ability, his dunamis, toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? There's a lot of power there, people. For people that are not powerful, that are powerless, that are frail, that sometimes you see Christians and you feel sorry for them, that to me breaks my heart. God has given us great and mighty promises that we might be flying like, soaring like eagles above the storms, and you don't find many of these Christians around. You find out that non-Christians have a louder voice. I don't want no no non-Christian to tell me how lousy life is because he's not living in the riches of God's glory and grace. So I don't want to become like him. I want to... I want to excel above him at a realm that's available. Verse 20, he says, This power, this glory, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Uh, I don't care what's going on in your situation, but if it's dead, the hope of his resurrection is present. Whatever is non-existing, the power of God could raise up. And then he's able, this is super important, if you don't understand it, you miss it, seated with him at the right hand in heavenly places. What it's saying there is that God has the last say in all things. He's seated at the place of God's right hand upon a throne. And, and this place is a place of government. And we're, we're distant and dark and, and we're, we're, we're having problems understanding what this is all about. Verse 21 This is where it emanates from. He is above all principality, and he's above all power. He's above anybody who has might and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in that which is to come. This is is a place where God establishes an order. This is why we say that all the kingdoms of the world will become the kingdoms of our Lord. And when you're not in that framework, you're just lost and possibly living a, uh, a life of sedition, a life where there's no order, chaos, chaotic confusion. It's the total opposite, where instead of power, there is 
no strength. So in that realm that God is sitting above all principalities and powers, every, I just want to say this real quickly, everywhere that there is an expression of suffering is because there's not the establishment of the kingdom. Because in the kingdom, there's no suffering. There's no tears. So we are a product of a lot of chaos that's upon the earth. And, 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 and we see this constantly. Uh, verse 22, in this place that is where he sits at the right hand above all principalities and power, he put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. So the man who's sitting at the right hand of the Father, above all principalities and power and might, the right hand of the Father on the throne of God is Jesus Christ, and he's the head over all things. Everything's under his feet, and now he sits as the head of the church. Um, the expression of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit sits as the head of the church. Verse 23, and... This is his body and the full expression of Christ who is the one who dictates all things in all. Um, so, so this is just getting the start. And I, I want you to say the word with me, uh, government. This is the head of everything that governs. And that is Jesus Christ. When there is sin, there's no rule. No government. Say that with me. Sin, Sin. Equals, equals no government. No government. And then grace, grace. Equals, equals governed by God. God's rule. That the grace of God that has come to my life when it was a disaster is that Jesus Christ actually set as the Lord and the, the king of glory in my life. And I begin to listen and to conform to his rule. And everything in my life that you see that is an expression of prosperity, joy, and peace is Jesus Christ's head over my life. It's called grace. And the, we've been saved by grace. Now the question is that uh, while in the earth there are all manner of governments established, and I was telling some people... Um, and Jesus Christ has come to the earth, and the man who is ruling over Jerusalem, when Jesus shows up on the scene, is Herod. Herod the Great, the most evil ruler of ancient history. And so we're not moved by governments upon the earth that are wicked. That doesn't move us. That doesn't phase us. Because we have come to a government that, that is, uh, we've come under Christ's government, his established kingdom. Uh, Matthew 6.10, uh, our prayer constantly and consistently is, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, in my life, your kingdom come and your will. This is super powerful. The will is that which is in the person. And if it's expressed... It can reach to the level of a kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Um, if you see around us today, you see a lot of people <clears throat> with no government. Um, they call it self-government. Um, they're doing their own thing at their own time. Uh, the book of Judges says that when there was no king, everybody did what they wanted. Judges 17, 6. This becomes chaotic. And I, I'll tell you why we're not living at the full expression of the kingdom of God. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Let me ask you guys a question. How effective would this type of church be? Zero. Zero of effectiveness. Because everyone has a different expression of what the kingdom is. Everyone has a different opinion. But the truth of the matter is the kingdom that is manifest of our Lord is that which um, is found in Jeremiah 31, 31. He says, there will be a day where I will write my laws upon the hearts of men. Behold, the days are coming. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. With my people, there will be a, a connection. Verse 32. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. Verse 33. But the new covenant involves, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, those that will connect with God. In those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and I will write it upon their hearts. And they will be, I will be their God and they shall be my people. What, what is written upon the mind and the hearts? The laws of God. Say with me, government. Through his grace, his government be established in our hearts and our minds. This is... This is the desire of God. Let's read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. Because some of you say, well, that's Old Testament, Pastor. Well, let's bring you to the New Testament, you philosopher, theologian. Let's bring you to the New Testament where it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16, where he says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their heart, and I will write them in their minds. I'm going to make sure that these are people being governed by me, by my kingdom. That's, that's what a kingdom is in, in all right. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Why Genesis chapter 3? Because this is when men stepped out and away from God being able to lead him. In Genesis 3, verse 1, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. And that God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Could you guys... Um, we've been so warped in our manner of thinking. We think that, that now that Jesus has come, we don't have to keep any rules because he did everything on the cross. And that's what some people will actually tell you. Pastor, I am free to do whatever I want. I said, how would you come to that conclusion? Because Jesus, he died on the cross. Uh, this guy is really crazy. He feels that he's come into a, king, a kingless kingdom. To a kingdom with no rule. And, and the very word kingdom comes from the king's domain. 
That means the king has the right to establish his order. And those people that are, are not understanding this uh, walk as we see man has walked far from God. But here he questions the serpent questions God. Has God indeed established some type of rule? And she says, yeah, indeed. God has rules. Tell that to your neighbor so he wakes up out of his fantasy. You can't say you belong to God when you walk free from the boundaries of his rule. You can't say that you are even part of a kingdom that, that doesn't have he said, king, uh, God said, you shall not eat. That's what God said. That governs this place. And so she continues on to say, not only is there prohibitions, which are things that are not to be done, but verse 2, she says, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. There's things we're not to do. You know what that is? That is an opportunity for rebellion. Well, why did my mom say not to talk to that guy anymore? Because there's a kingdom of peace and of joy, and of things coming out right. There are things that we're not to do, and there are things that we're to do. So, the woman says, we may eat of the fruit of the trees. A, rebelli a rebellious person is bent on pushing the envelope and the limits of what he's not to do. And when he pushes so hard, he's released into that direction like he did to Judas. Go and do what's in your heart. Now the Bible says the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful. You're not to do anything based on what your heart feels. You'll be led out of the kingdom. Verse 3, but the fruit of the tree, verse 3, which is in the midst of the garden, God says, you shall not eat, nor shall you touch. There are limits, there are prohibitions, there are restrictions, because there are consequences, lest you die. There are consequences. They're, they're not, you, you do not break down a wall, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 10, he says, those who break boundary walls will be bit by serpents. If you break down the wall, you'll be in the devil's domain. You'll be in his rule, in his kingdom. Verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you're not going to die. Bad things will not come to pass when you leave the kingdom. Verse 5, for God knows in the days that you decide to disobey God and eat, your eyes will be opened and you will become a government in yourselves deciding what is good and bad. Say with me, this is a curse. Because there's a way that looks right to man whose end is death, whose end is destruction. So now you have a 10-year-old 
who's rebelled from God's government and order of having family, a mom and a dad, and now he's the king. And the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 10, verse 6, woe to the, 16, woe to the nation whose child, whose king is a child. Let's read that, Ecclesiastes 10, 16. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child. When you have a knucklehead of a child making the decision in his life. When you have a daughter who disregards that which God has placed there for her prosperity, for her blessing, for her peace, for her joy, for her success. And so it is that government becomes the greatest of God's provision to man. He being the authority over all things that rule. And so the devil is trying to remove us from the place where God said to now you get to say. And when you get to say, you're destined into the confusing scenario. Should I stay or should I go? Matthew 5.37. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Because when you're confused and your yes is no and your no is maybe and your I don't know is who knows. All this, whatever is more and added to this is from the evil one. This is chaos. This is confusion. This is, uh, this is desert wilderness. This is darkness. You might as well just grab something and spin the little wheel and, 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 and play the, the lotto or the whatever the sorcery. Start playing a divination. Start guessing. I don't know what's going to happen. I guess it'll go well. I'll find out later. That's not government. Government established to bring joy and peace to those that stay. The devil does this early on. Now, I want to suggest that, that why am I teaching on this? Is there anyone out of order? Nobody. Is there any specific situation we could apply to? No. No. We're living in a generation of everyone doing as they please. I can tell somebody here at the church, listen, you're not to walk in this direction. And I'll turn around, and the next time I see them continuing to do what I told them not to do, and they taught somebody else to do the same thing. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Oh, pastor, I know you said that this is not right, but I felt in my heart that God made a little exception here for me, and, and I feel comfortable here. And when I come back, now there's two, three, four families in non-government, in chaos, in darkness, in desert. The devil understands this with great uh, savviness. And, and so why we teach on this is because it comes in the, in the measure, and I thank God for it, in, in the development of what we've done this year. We've set aside 2015 to ground and to profound our faith. I, I don't want to be a, a, a kite. The Bible says the last days there will be so much deception that men will be going from one place to another trying to find out where the kingdom. And God, Jesus says the kingdom begins in your heart. If you don't allow the Holy Spirit to govern your heart, then there is no kingdom. Because the kingdom is the full expression of all peoples. You know where it starts? In the heart. Self-government. A person, I'm going to show you what the people that were developing 
uh, how to rule the nations. Uh, we could go to Genesis chapter 18, verse 18. There it says, And I will make of Abraham a great and mighty nation. He shall surely become great and mighty nation. Look from, from him single to nation multitudes. And then all the nations of the earth shall be blessed by one person. One person who is faithful at being ruled by the Spirit of God is entrusted to have something called a family. And when you have a family being ruled by the Spirit of God, then you go to your neighborhood, you go to your city, you go to a nation. That's what a kingdom is. You don't get to the kingdom until you start with the heart. And wherever you see chaos, don't, don't say, oh, look at a wicked nation. No, say a wicked man. And when you're going to go like that and point at a man, you go like this and say, it starts with me. This is where disobedience started. This is where rebellion started. And so there it is. And why would he make him a great and mighty nation? Verse 19, because he would follow my commands. He was quick to receive instruction. I have known him. He, in, in, in places of putting things in order, that he will command his children and his household, uh, self, children, family, in the ways of the Lord, to be able to accomplish right things, right things, injustice, uh, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he's purposed. Now, I, I have a suggestion. Will you ever get to be an expression of the kingdom of God? To be a blessing to other families when you are not governed by the Spirit of God and have no appetite for wisdom. And when a man of God comes to your life and speaks something into your life, you have another opinion. I was terrified as a young man every time a pastor came and talked to me. Because I knew that if he was talking to me, it was God. It was the Lord. He didn't have any reason to talk to me. Why would a man of God talk to me? And so I would tremble. And, and I would say, this is what God wants. This is not, you know, sometimes I had the, the crazy idea. Maybe this jerk just has something personal to say towards me. Listen to me. I wasn't worthy for anybody to speak into my life. It's chaotic in every direction. Why would anybody want to bring any semblance of peace and joy and prosperity? Let them go to hell in a handbasket. Let them continue to destroy his seed and lineage. We, we've come a long way where generations now are defined by lovers of self. This is, this is the new me. Um, I told my son recently, if you see a harlot and she carries a little dog around in her basket, that my daughter is not going to be like that. If you see Paris Hilton walking around with a little dog in a purse, I don't want my daughter to do what harlots do. I want her to look at the righteous women and to model and imitate a character that's attractive in the kingdom of God. But we're living in a time and a place where people are moving in rebellion against all sanity. So there's chaos, there's confusion, there's darkness. And the Bible doesn't leave this at everybody go in the direction as they please. There in the garden, when man decides to bring in another authority in his life, verse 6, now that you're like God, 
you will be able to determine the things on the basis of what you see, you feel, and you like. And so she, uh, let's go back to Genesis 3. After she had her little connection with Satan there, with the serpent, and he says, you can be your own self. You will be able to decide what's good and bad. You don't have to listen to anybody. The woman, verse 6, she was able to see the tree was good for food. Her perception was self-perception, not godly perception. How many know God sees a little bit further, a little bit deeper? And he has great blessing. But she was able now to see, not God see, and it was pleasant to her eyes. It was something attractive. It looked cute. And it, it was desirable. Now her will is in what her sensuality had led her. Away from God, away from prohibition, away from blessing, away from reward. And now she took and ate of its fruit. And then she shared. She shared. Government is uh, into sharing. The Bible says not only do they do what is wrong, they take delight and they teach others. Now, now they're a self-governing scenario where they are attracting people into that existence. So the consequences of this is verse 7. Now they're able to see that they have no covering. That there is no promise. There is no inheritance. They're naked. They have no protection. No pro now they have to go seek and sow fig leaves together and make for themselves covering. To try and to, it's shameful. Try to, nobody, and, and this is the time we're living in. People want to be shameful and don't want to be told it's shameful. People want to do things without government and they thwart into an existence that is really chaotic. And now they want to cover up chaotic and call it good. Call it orderly. And so there it is when God shows up in verse 8, and he, they heard the sound of the Lord. They hear government coming. He's walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and now they hid themselves. <clears throat> I, I want you to understand this. This is a natural reaction to doing things that are not... What, what do criminals do? They're fugitives. They're, they're running wild. They're, they're doing things... What happened, man? But what happened? They, they lost their peace. They're, they feel they're being persecuted. When, when you stop being governed by your inner spirit in the kingdom of God through the Holy Spirit, it becomes a restless existence. It becomes an unpeaceful place. And they hid themselves from the presence of authority. And they hid themselves amongst the other trees in the garden. God has to ask, where are you? The question is not that God did not know where they were, because God knows all things. He was trying to find out if they knew where they had gone. Where are you standing? And why are you standing outside of my provision? And they said, we heard your voice, and we were afraid, and we were naked, and we hid. It's a progression. And he told them, who let you know that you've lost your protection? Verse 11. Who told you you were naked? Have you done which, that which I commanded you not to do? 
Have you breached the prohibition? Are you walking in a place where there is no longer a gate? And the Lord turns to the man asking that question. Have you eaten of the tree I commanded you not to eat? And the man says, the woman you gave me, there you go, the first, the first twisted thing is not taking personal responsibility. I know women are powerful. Say with, that, say with me, women are powerful. But Christ is more powerful. And you're supposed to lead, be led by Christ, not by your wife. You're supposed to be led by the counsel of God. Not by the sentiments of emotion. And God will always make man responsible for the household and the government that he entrusted to him. And so when he asked man, why did you eat and who told you you were naked? He blamed the woman, the woman you gave me. My wife insisted so much and she gave me. He threw God under the table and he, she, he threw his wife under the bus. The woman you gave me and she gave me the tree and I ate. See, I'm just a victim. Poor me, I didn't know what to do. Who had God talked to? Who did God consult to give the parameters of his government and kingdom? To the man. And so he turned and God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? You're the one that's leading the ship now. You're the one that is the rule of government. You're the one that has decided to usurp the peace that I want over your family? And the woman said, the serpent. In other words, you created something that twisted me. The serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you've done this, you're cursed more than all the cattle and you more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. You want to live outside my government? Then bite the dust. Walk in, in, in your own stead. In verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And the woman, and to the woman he says, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception and pain. You shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be to rule over your husband, but he shall have rule over you. And Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree, you shall not eat of it, that I said you shall not eat of it. Curse shall be the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat all the days of your life. Now, instead of producing the fruit, it shall produce both thorns and thistles. And you shall eat of the herbs of the field. In the sweat of your face shall be your bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for the dust you are, and to the dust you shall return. And so in this manner, man loses his government. He loses his boundaries, his purposes, his provisions. And this is what faith does. Faith allows us to return. And let me tell you something. There's no more glorious of return than a man deciding to make Jesus Christ the king, the Lord over his life. And there's nothing sadder in our day of those who decide not to embrace faith and they continue to rule their reign of terror, confusion, chaos, darkness, no direction. In John chapter 3, the New Testament, way after Jesus comes to light, a man shows up at night in verse 1, 
And he says, there was a man of the Pharisees. He was a ruler of the Jews. The guy was a prince. He was a man in authority. He knew how to govern. This man came to Jesus by night and said, Teacher, we know that you are a teacher that comes from God, for no one could do the things you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, I say to you, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. This inner reality of going from no government to the kingdom is seen when you decide to be born in the spirit. When you decide to say, you know something, stop already. Because as we discuss these matters, there's two chess boards. And some have made Christianity a chess board where Jesus is the king on the board. And you move all the other places and the queen has greater authority than the king. She's usurping the entire board. And she says that Jesus is there. Because look, she points to them. There's Jesus. The others of us have decided that we are not kings or queens or knights or castles. We are peons. And he is the king over the entire chessboard. And everything's under his rule and reign. And that's why we have the fruits of peace and joy and righteousness. And today's word is your capacity to ground your faith in a place where Jesus rules as Lord over all. Let's stand. Self-government are thoughts, words, and actions. Proverbs 16.32 says that a man who cannot govern his own spirit is like a city without walls. A man who's not willing to come into the kingdom says he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. To govern your own spirit is having the capacity to understand. And, and listen, we just introduced ourselves to just a little bit of what God wants for us. But this is a perfect day for repentance. This is a perfect day to say, I want to be part of the kingdom of God and not the queendom of hell. I want to honor. I want to obey. I want to serve. I want to know his way. I want to know where he has established authority, what is the governing rule, who is the head. I'm not going to be like the devil. I'm not going to be proud and arrogant and rebellious and disobedient. And each person's heart will govern his own ways. And then the kingdom he lives in will manifest that fruit. Father, thank you for this day that you have made for us to rejoice and be glad. Thank you that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father above all principalities, power, above all authorities that rule in this age and in the age to come. Father, thank you that we're able to come in and see the kingdom. But we don't just want to see it, Lord. You said unless a man is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom, cannot be a part. And so, Father, give us the courage to run from darkness, to discontinue disrespect, To not walk in our stubborn ways, overpowering our will to subvert the authority in your kingdom. Give us a heart like David's heart that delights in doing your will. 
whose commandments are not burdensome, whose desire is to have you rule and reign for eternity. Holy Spirit, do your work in this place. Convict of sin. Confirm your righteousness, your right standing in our hearts. Teach us truth and lead us in the way we should go. Father, redeem your people, God. Deep-seated nature of rebellion and disobedience and despair has gripped our hearts. But let us be covered by your grace that it might grow, that we might grow strong, greater manifestations of your rule in our life, in our time, in our talents, in our treasure, with our families. For he who cannot rule his, govern his spirit cannot govern his family. He who cannot govern his family cannot be faithful to govern your people, the church. And if the church is not in a place of your grace, how will we be able to teach the nations your wisdom? We pray that you make us an obedient, honorable, submissive, respectful nation. That the garments of Christ, we be clothed with garments of humility. That we would recognize the authority that flows from your throne of grace. Establishing your kingdom in every heart. So that this church could be one. Under one head, one lordship, one baptism. That we might be an expression of salvation to the ends of the earth. And we give you thanks that this year you've given us what we've sought, which is a greater understanding and measure of faith. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says amen, amen, amen. amen. We'll see the men.